You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. This is Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, here's your boy Q. I was in Texas just a little bit. We'll also hear from former head coach Herm Edwards. He was a guest on my radio show last night, game night on ESPN Radio. Also, Coach McDaniels, he met with us earlier today at the Intermountain Health Performance Center. We'll, uh, we'll get to him about 4.30. We'll hear from uh, Coach and what he had to say. Uh, right now, my man, my man Joseph is uh, in the Intermountain, is in the, in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, excuse me, uh, efforting uh, Tomer Azerly uh, to talk all things Clippers and talk about the James Harden trade. Uh, so as soon as he gets him, he'll give me the thumbs up and we'll go ahead and rock and roll with that. But I do the question out there, uh, what's the biggest issue for the, the Raiders' offense? Like, how do they remedy that? I think that uh, we've pretty much identified it as the offensive line is the, is the number one culprit, but obviously there's a lot of elements that go into play as well. You know, the quarterback play, the offensive line, and, and others. So uh, go ahead and give us that feedback. Again, on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R-N-R. Join us now on the phone lines from Clutch Points. He's a Clippers reporter, uh, Tomer Azarli. And, Tomer, thanks so much for your time. We definitely appreciate you. Late last night, I was on the radio last night up until about 11 p.m. Pacific time, and I'll tell you, as sure as it was, as soon as I signed off, all of a sudden, we found out about James Harden being traded to the Clippers. And, of course, that's how these things go. So how big was that for the Clippers to land James Harden in that trade where they sent a lot of players back to Philadelphia? Listen, I was on my couch finishing my episode about to go to sleep, but <laughs> my phone blew up. So I'm right there with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a, a pretty significant trade. Uh, if we're being honest, this is the second big one the Clippers have done at around 11 p.m. Pacific time for whatever reason. Uh, the other one was Kawhi and PG getting here a couple years ago. So, um, look, I mean, the Clippers sent out a lot as far as their rotation and depth. They sent out four power forwards, uh, all of whom had some kind of role outside of Marcus Morris. He did play last year, but he was more of a, you know, just-in-case uh, kind of guy this year. Um, so they did lose a lot of uh, front-court depth. And, in my opinion, a lot of culture, uh, guys like Nicholas Batum and Robert Covington, who were very important to what they wanted to build uh, in the locker room and, and as a cohesive unit. So, uh, there's definitely a loss there. Um, that being said, this is James Harden. This is the assist leader from last year. This is a guy who we've not seen as a number three option before. We've seen as a, as a one or a two. But as a number three, I'm really curious to see how this pans out because there is a lot of talent in this starting lineup right now. And I, I really am curious to see how it all shakes out. It, it's pretty significant. It's huge. Yeah, no, it really is, and it's funny. Every time I talk NBA and I talk about the Clippers here, I always, because of my normal nature and just kind of how I always grew up in the NBA, watching the NBA, always kind of dismiss the Clippers to the side. But they have talent. Harden is there now. They have Kawhi. Westbrook's there. Paul George. How does that dynamic work? Are they on the court together at the same time? Is there any kind of plan that's been rolled out for these guys? What do you think? Well, I don't believe the trade is official yet. I think there's still some, some minor moving parts they got to okay. figure out as far as draft compensation and all that. But, look, I think the idea when you get four, you know, bona fide ball handler, playmaker, scorers like these guys, um, the idea would be to stagger them and have at least two out on the court the entire time. You know, I imagine um, Russell Westbrook and James Harden, while as great as they are, they are a bit redundant, I would say, in the same lineup. So I would look for Ty Lue to kind of pull one of those guys early along with Kawhi and Paul, and, uh, you, you know, really just try and 
stagger those those guys in pair. Um, you know, Russ has historically played played really well with with Paul George. Um, you know, I'm not sure what we can really expect out of James Harden yet, but uh, I think the idea would be to stagger them in pairs and kind of just build the rest of the rotation around them. You know, they got Mason Plumlee, they got Avita Zubas, they got Norman Powell. Uh, they do have Bones Highland, who's been a great off-ball guy as well as an on-ball guy. So there's still some depth on this team that they can really kind of uh, – they have to figure out. But right. I think the idea would be to stagger them in pairs and go from there. Does this trade have anything to do with efforts in, in, in keeping Ty Lue for the long term? Because I know he's a coach that a lot of teams are going to want after this season. Yeah, I think, I think you know, contract situation, I think Steve Ballmer is really happy with Teron Lue. I think Lawrence Frank is really happy with Teron Lue. Um, you know, I think everyone understands they really haven't had a fair shake uh, top to bottom as far as seeing what this team could do. And, you know, I am somewhat disappointed that they kind of moved so quickly because, you know, just last week before the season started, we were hearing, okay, the Clippers are going to go into the season, uh, try to figure this out, um, you know, down the line. But for now, they're content. And less than a week later, they've already pulled the trigger and gotten James <laughs> Harden. So um, it is a bit confusing, but um, I think Toronto is, you know, going to be very coveted. But I also think he's a guy that the Clippers know what they have. Uh, they, they respect him. They leave a lot of the line of stuff up to him because they know that he's capable of really pulling anything out of his hat and making it work. We saw that in 2021. We saw that with the last couple of years, uh, nearly beating Phoenix last year, uh, even without Kawhi. So uh, Ty is a highly coveted coach. I think they're aware of that. Um, I also think they just want to go all in. You know, this is a lot of these guys are going to be free agents. Kawhi and Paul both have uh, player options, as does Russ, actually. So, um I think they're going to really want to just go all in this year and, and go from there. You know, screw the draft picks. Let's focus on now, and we can kind of build the roster around these guys down the line. Talking all things Clippers right now with Tamara Azarli here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. How much concern, if any, do you think that there is with James Harden and the way that it's, it's all played out in, in the last stops that he's had, whether it be Philly, Brooklyn, or even Houston before that? I mean, I'll be completely honest. I think there's a lot of concern there. I mean, you, you, you trade for a guy who's requested three trades in three years, <laughs> and uh, I believe he's on his third or fourth team since 2021. Because uh, I think, yeah, in the bubble, he played with Houston after that. Russ requested out. So, um, yeah, it, there's definitely some concern there. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing the Clippers have going for them is that there's already a lot of talent on this team, so he doesn't really have to be a number one and, or even a number two. Um, some nights Russ might be able to take the offensive workload, so maybe Harden is going to be number three. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, in addition to that, he's home. Uh, right. he, he played here from SoCal. He played at Ar- Artesia High School. He's, he's from SoCal. So there's no denying that's a, a huge factor here. You know, uh, Kawhi has been, has been very open about how much coming home has meant to him. Same with Paul George. Uh, Russ really wanted to stay home after he was traded from the Lakers last year, and we saw him come back, and he's been nothing but grateful. So, uh, I would say it's, it's, it's very important as well that they're home. So I think the Clippers have a lot going for them. Uh, at the end of the day, winning and losing is what matters the most, and we'll try to see how they um, go from there. But I think that's going to be the ultimately the most important thing. You know, I'm a big Russell Westbrook fan, and I know that he's not the Russell Westbrook that he was when he was the MVP and he was getting the triple-doubles every night, you know, averaging triple-doubles. I get that, but he looks like, that he's playing with a lot of joy and he's really happy. I know he's young in the in the season, right? He's only played a handful of games. But what have you seen from Russ? He, does, is it me or does he just look really happy right now? Uh, I mean, that's a you know, that's a testament to a place that actually wants you and is not really a, a toxic work environment and, <laughs> and values what you bring, you know, on and off the court. I think you know, I think Lakers players 
last year. Um, you know, I spoke specifically with Austin Reeves a couple times, and he was, you know, very, very complimentary and thankful for Russell Westbrook. But, you know, I, I think it was just a bad fit for him uh, over there. It's, it's just simply put, it just wasn't the right fit. And so when you look at this Clippers team, they've really lacked a leader, a vocal leader at that, in my opinion. And so Russ has been able to come in and provide that. Um, you know, he, he really got this this training camp off to a good start. They took every practice extremely serious. He's the first guy in the gym. He's the first guy on the court warming up. So, um, you know, there's definitely an element that he that he brings that they did not have before this year. And I think um, Ty Lue's been very open with him about, you know, hey, we don't care about makes, misses, turnovers, none of that stuff. Just play the right way. Play the way we need you to play. Be, you know, we want Russ to be Russ, but we also want Russ to be Russ within our system. And I think we've seen that at a high level from him so far. So uh, I think Russ has been great so far. I really, you know, um, am a bit surprised that he's taken such a great role, but um, he's been fantastic. He's been exactly what they needed. So uh, I expect it to continue. He's, again, he's been nothing but professional so far. I, I really do like him a lot. I like his style. I like the way he plays. I like the kind of edge he plays with, the attitude. I like it all, right? And, of course, he, he got a really bad name uh, the last couple spots that he was at. But I, I, I do like what Russ Westbrook brings to the table. Uh, how about just the, 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 the West in general? Like, the West is super loaded, right? So how do you look at it as far as where the Clippers yeah. stack up now compared to the rest of the talent in the West, including the defending champions, the Nuggets? It's tough to really to really gauge that yet. I mean, for me personally, Denver is still is still the favorite. Um, you know, they lost Bruce Brown this offseason, and in my opinion, they may have even gotten better because Peyton Watson looks great for them as a rotation player. Uh, Christian Brown looks great for them. Reggie Jackson, who played here last year, is playing you know a decent level of basketball for them as a backup point guard. And so, um, if they're getting good contributions out of those guys, they kept their entire starting lineup. Like those guys are going to be great. So I, I think, to me, Denver's still the favorite. They still look really good. Phoenix also looks really good. Um, we just haven't seen them healthy yet. But, you know, I, I would imagine the Clippers are, are, are definitely up there because, again, talent usually wins you these series at the end of the day, the, the top ten, top end talent. And so uh, I ultimately think the Clippers are in that tier now. They're definitely up there. They have four bona fide playmakers, scorers. You know, Westbrook has his good and bad days, but he's still up there, in my opinion. Um I just think it's a matter of getting out there and really just playing defense because they've really focused on defense this, this training camp in preseason. And you lost some of your defenders in right. guys like Nico Batum and Robert Covington. You're a lot smaller now. So uh, I'm curious to see how they play defensively. But to me, they're up there with those type of teams. But to me, Denver's still the favorite. They have a ton of talent, clearly. I mean, they've got four stars. I've named them already. What would you say would be their biggest weakness if you're looking at their roster and, and looking where they're at right now? I would say that power forward spot is, is a bit, you know, um, it, it's a position they lack. And I, I know Kawhi Leonard can play that position, but I don't know if that's something you want him to do over 82 games. Um, I think you do want someone to kind of give him uh, some breaks, be able to take on that workload, not have to guard the, the bigger, stronger, faster players at times. Kawhi's fully capable of doing that. But again, the goal is to be healthy in April, May, and hopefully June. So if that's your priority and that's your goal, uh, I ultimately think they do need to add some kind of depth here, uh, wing depth that, that can kind of uh, take the workload out of Paul and Kawhi. Uh, they, they, part of it is really hoping they stay healthy, but they really do need some help there as far as uh, just taking the workload off those guys. Because once the playoffs start, Kawhi can play the four, PG can play the four, no problem. Uh, you just want to get there healthy is the issue. So um, that's really it for me. I think everywhere else, they're, they're pretty much great, honestly. Tamara Zarley is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Wanted to ask you a couple NBA questions in general as we close things out. Are you like me and you're on Wemby Watch? Anytime you get a chance to see him, you're locked in? Uh, 
I, yeah, yeah, I have <laughs> I have two or three screens at all times, and one of them is always the Spurs if they're playing. I'm mean, the other day when the Spurs were here in LA, the amount of media members that we saw. I mean, it looked like a playoff game. Greg Popovich walked into our pregame and said, what is this, game six of the finals? What was what, going on here? Um, <laughs> it, it was incredible. Yeah, Wemby uh, didn't have a great game the other day, but yeah, I'm definitely all, all eyes on him anytime he's up there. Uh, I, I'm extremely fascinated with how someone uh, of just his, you know, uh, body style is able to move so quickly, so shifty, be so under control at the same time. Uh, and he's still raw. I mean, you know, he had a couple mismatches the other day that he didn't really take advantage of. And I only imagine once he figures out what he's capable of, man, uh, Ty Lewis said it the other day, we got to take advantage of this now because in three or four years, he's going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah, he is. He he looks like a, a, a fun player, a young fun player that's only going to get a lot better probably sooner rather than later, especially being coached up by Greg Popovich. What did you think about the, the in-tournament uh, or the in-season tournament that they're having that gets started on Friday? I'm excited to see what it's about. I think uh, the one thing you can't um, kind of discredit the NBA about is just trying to be innovative and trying to be creative and trying to always infuse this new energy and excitement and fun. A lot of people talk down the, the play-in tournament, like, oh, why would we do this? Who needs this? Right. We've seen a lot of teams in that 7, 8, 9, 10 range uh, be more competitive down the stretch. There's a lot less tanking, in my opinion. Um, and, and it just creates a lot of fun. You know, you see a team that's supposed to finish seven, all of a sudden lose that game, and now they have to play for an eight seed. Uh, it creates so many different matchups, and I think it was really fun. And I think this is going to do the same exact thing. I think the court is a great idea, um, giving it its own special look. I think, um, you know, making it every, every Tuesday and Friday, giving everyone a couple home games as well. Um, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be great. I think the NBA, again, I, I love their ability to just try things. You know, even if you fail, just try to be creative. Try to right. be innovative with different things. Try the court. And uh, really, I, I'm excited to see how it plays out. You know, the Clippers have a couple of good teams in their, in their group. I know a lot of the groups are super competitive. So I'm excited to see it, really. I really am. I like the commercials that they have for it already. <laughs> the commercials are cool. Yeah, I love, and I'm excited to be in Vegas for this, too. <laughs> well, who's not excited to be in Vegas, right? That's always a, that's always a plus. So <laughs> I live it every day, man. I live it every day. <laughs> so Must be it, nice. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It, it really is. Well, good stuff as always, Tomer. We definitely appreciate you. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, well, I was working on a couple things with, with, with Batum and Covington, but seeing as how they got traded, uh, <laughs> might have to rewrite that a little bit. No, I mean, I think, uh, I think you know, we'll kind of look into James Harden. I'm guessing, you know, once the trade becomes official, we'll have a press conference and all that. So yeah. I'm really just looking to uh, write, write about that, write about how everyone's viewing things and, and what the idea was behind this trade. Again, they entered last week saying, we're good, we're going to go into the season. Right. And less than a week later, boom, they pulled the trade. They traded basically four or five of their four, four of their roster guys. And um, I'm just curious to see how that works out. So I'll probably work on a, a bit of hardened stuff, maybe some podcasting. But, yeah, that's pretty much it. I appreciate it, though. No, I'll tell you, man, it happened a lot faster than I thought it was going to happen. I thought this was going to linger right. for a while. Then all of a sudden, like I said, I guess all it takes is for me to do a late-night radio show and sign off, and then, <laughs> boom, it's, t- it's, time to make, it's time to make some noise. Well, again, as always, man, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. I definitely appreciate you. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tomara Zarley right there, Clutch Points, talking all things Clippers with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Just wanted to get up to date on everything going on with the James Harden trade. That move happened so fast. I did not expect to see that happening that quickly. Uh, I thought that James Harden was going to sit in Philadelphia and pout for a while. And, well, lo and behold, he gets his way, and he's out of there. He's on his way to Sunshiny in L.A., uh, where he wants to be. And, well, we'll see how that shakes out. But they've got talent. There's no doubt. Harden. 
Westbrook, Kawhi, Paul George. That's, I mean, that's as good as it gets, right? Now, the guys around them is going to be the question, what kind of noise can they make? But many thanks to Tomer for giving us a few minutes of his time this afternoon just to kind of clear the air and let us know what's going on with that. And, yeah, the in-season tournament in the NBA gets started on Friday, November 3rd, so we look forward to that. Let's go ahead, before we take a, a couple of a break, let's go ahead and get a couple quick calls on. Uh, I think we got uh, Raider Dave still waiting on hold. Let's go ahead and go to Raider Dave. What's on your mind, Raider Dave? Just kidding. Jay, is Jay still there? Jay, welcome to the show. All right, well, Jay hung up. That's all right, cool. No doubt about it. That's how you clear the air right there. That's how you clear it. Go straight to them, and then they're not there. That's all right. We'll, we'll take that. I'm not mad at that at all. 702-365-9200. That is the phone line. If you do want to respond, uh, hit us up on anything. Got a text from the 209. The Clippers are cooked. A lot of selfish players on one team ain't going to work. Uh, I'm, I'm, man, I, I don't want to say that right now because I haven't seen it, but I'm telling you, I'm looking at guys that are often injured, and I'm looking at guys that, you know, have that, that, that me attitude mentality, I love Kawhi. I love Kawhi and Leonard, what he brings to the table. But, man, I just hate the fact that he's injured all the time. And, you know, at some point, I mean, there's just nothing he could do about it. He's just banged up. PG, I was a big fan of his when he was at Fresno State. Loved him when he was an Indiana Pacer. Uh, you know, he, again, the talent is there. I've never been a hardened guy. I'll, I'll be, you know, off top with that. And I love Westbrook. But I just don't know how they all blend together. So it's going to be interesting to see. Ty Lue's got his work cut out for him. So we'll see. <laughs> we got a text from Glenn in San Jose. He said, Q, remind me to never get on your bad side. It's all good. I ain't got a bad side. It's all good. Uh, you know, just don't tell me. Don't put words in my mouth is all I ask. That's, that's, I, <laughs> I do a plenty of that myself, so I'm good. But I uh, uh, got another text from the 209. Q, what if we let Hunter and Jimmy go? We pick up Kirk Cousins next season. That's if we can't get a top, t- top pick next season. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Kirk Cousins is going to be playing somewhere next year. I hate for him that he's coming off a of torn Achilles. Uh, I know that. You know, these guys are getting uh, healthier sooner rather than later. But I, I just I, – I can't – man, I, I hate when guys get that kind of injury, that, that torn Achilles. And, you know, at some point, you know, later down the line, it'll probably end up being just like an ACL where it's not a big deal anymore. But, man, I think that that's such a big deal. And hate that for Kirk. I think he was doing some really good things there in Minnesota. Uh, they weren't winning all the games that they should be winning. But just to end his season like that and to know that most likely it ended his Minnesota career is just it's hard to it's hard to imagine. I uh, got a text from Mark in New Jersey. He said, as for the trade deadline, I knew the Raiders weren't going to make any moves. A lot of smoke about buy- being buyers should have got Chase Young for third-rounders. Good teams get better. Bad teams get worse. That's Mark in New Jersey. And then we got a text from Raider Dill. I agree that handing over to Aiden O'Connell says that we're looking to the future. I also think that's a decision the captain should have a strong say in. If they aren't confident in Jimmy, that explains a lot. If they aren't confident in him, I guess we're stick. If they are confident in him, I guess we're sticking with them. I, for one, would be would like to see something different at this point. But I'm not in that locker room. That's Raider Dill. He brings up a good point. I think that's a really good point that you bring up, right? The uh, the captains. If the captains, you know, have 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 some say in the locker room and say, hey, you know, I think that this is the direction that we should go. I don't know if they would do that, uh, you know, to Jimmy. I think that they really like him. It just to me seems like the confidence isn't really there in what he's doing, and that's unfortunate because, well, again, I thought that what he was being brought in to do and the way he was going to go out there and operate was going to help the Raiders and this offense look really good, and it's been everything but that. We'll take a couple quick calls. Uh, let's go out to the phone lines, talk to our guy, Gangster Raider, who is our resident Clipper fan. Gangster Raider, what's on your mind? Yeah, what's happening, man? The, the team who I wanted to um, not make moves, 
they made moves. I, I'm, I'm not with the James Harden thing. I think we should have stayed packed the way we were. James Harden, he played gimmick basketball. Gimmick basketball. I used to heckle him. I still heckle him whenever he show up to the Drew League in the summertime. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to his mom. His mom is great. I love his mom. But him is I, I, I don't like his game. I, I, I told him for years about his game. I, I don't like the move. And as a diehard Clipper fan, I. I really um, question the direction because they gave up Rocco and Batum. You know what I'm saying? That's defense and three-point shooting. You're giving up for what? Uh, a, a, a third or fourth-string player that's that's over 30 and, you know what I'm saying, on 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 a, damn de- on a decline if you ask me. But anyway, back to the Raiders. You know what I'm saying? I, it's the play calling. See what I'm talking about, the play calling? On that, on that, when we got that um, – they um they um turnover and Jimmy G threw the interception. Why didn't we run the ball? It should have been all runs. You know what I'm saying? Even if we don't get in the end zone, you kick a field goal. You know what I'm saying? At least we get points out the thing. You know, it's just yeah. it's just they talk about um getting back to fundamentals. That's fundamental. The defense was playing good. When you're playing good defense, run the ball. You know what I'm saying? It decreases your turnovers. It increases your time of possession. Like you said, we barely had the ball for 20 minutes. That's because we kept passing, passing, getting sacked. And when the, when the um when the pass is incomplete, the clock stops. When yep. you run the ball, yep. you know what I'm saying. When you get tackled, the clock keeps running. That increases your time of possession. It's like it's just basic, fundamental. I mean, he don't even have a basis. Right? Like, I have no, I have lost all confidence in Josh McDaniels and um, the offensive line because the offensive line, even though they were playing good, I mean, not the offensive line, Jimmy G, who I call Jimmy E. Excuse me, because the offensive <laughs> line, they gave him enough time to do what he needed to do, but he either underthrew it. Overthrew it, didn't step up, and he just—he don't look like a, um, a professional quarterback. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He doesn't look like a professional NFL quarterback, if you ask me. Now we started Hoyer last week. We started him this week, and he was even worse. Let's go with Aiden O'Connor for the rest of the year. You know what I'm saying? We got five losses on the year. You know what I'm saying? We can still finish twelve and five. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just saying, if if, yeah. if best case scenario, you know what I'm saying. Put Aiden O'Connell in there. We see we got two bums as quarterbacks, and this was um, Josh McDaniel playing. And back to the plan, JT kept on pushing this plan all um, summer. They have a plan. They have a plan. Well, the plan stinks. You know what I'm saying. The plan is make doesn't make any sense. The plan was I would feel better about the plan if we'd have kept Stidham. Because just like you see Garoppolo's plan, you know what I'm saying? I call him Jimmy Yee. We got we to stop calling him Jimmy G. Call him Jimmy Yee. You know what I'm saying? Jimmy Yee is playing like a Yee, and he's not playing up to par. And that's why we should have kept Stidham, just in case this happens. We could throw Stidham in there. You see, just Stidham looked good the few games that he got last year. Man, then back to the Clippers. I think it's a disaster <laughs> waiting to happen. I, I, I don't like the James Harden trade. You know what I'm saying? I was already mad at them because they got rid of the red jerseys. Ever since the Donald Sterling thing, they got they abandoned the red jerseys and they could have moved to Inglewood, which is stupid if you ask me. And they're gonna bring in James Harden. This it just don't make no sense. Make it make sense, Q. All right, I'm gone. I don't hey man, I I can't make it make sense. That's why I ask the ones that are smarter than me, man. That's why I, I lean on the, uh, our our good our good insiders, our good guests that have a better idea than me, like Tamara Zarley, who we just had on talking all things Clippers and Anyone who's anyone who's ever listened knows that I've never really regarded the Clippers very high. I always get tweets like, there you go, dogging my Clippers. I don't mean to. I just, you know, they've always been little bruh 
to uh, to to the Lakers, but they're trying to make moves, right? And and let's see how this thing works out. Uh, I doubted some super teams before, and they've worked out fine. Uh, this might be the same case. I, I don't know. That's why I asked the questions because I want to see it. Um, to, you know, you kind of see it to believe it, right? So we'll see what happens at some point. Uh, but thanks so much for that call. I got you. Uh, one more call. How about Robert in Portland? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, Q. Uh- you know, be, before they even picked up Jimmy G and you uh, released the NFL schedule for this year, you and I, we both agreed maybe eight wins, maybe nine at the most if they picked up a pretty good quarterback. And then we both were not for Jimmy G come aboard, coming aboard. Uh, I, I had him losing to the Jets because I thought, you know, Aaron was going to be playing quarterback. I just, I had him three and five to start yeah. of this year. And, and, and I, I'm not. Are you dumbfounded that they're three and five? I'm not. I I'm, d- I'm dumbfounded that the offense is is playing so poorly. Oh no, we both agree with that. But that depended on what quarterback they were going to get. But the schedule was not an easy schedule, right. especially Agreed. at the start of the year. But I think you know the big guy said it best. It's the offensive line. Uh, you know that's what you got to correct, and they never did in the off season because they thought they had a hell of a good year last year running the ball and they didn't need to correct it other than getting the, you know, getting the big right guard in there for bars. But, you know, I really don't think getting all upset is, is even worth it considering I figured they'd go eight and nine and you, you didn't think they'd go maybe eight, nine or nine and eight. Right. I, I mean, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> Believe me. I know brother. <laughs> so. And then when Jimmy G got aboard, you were re- you were the one guy. It wasn't excited. Of all yep. the guys that I listened to, you know, out of, out of Vegas, you, you were the one guy. You, you giggled real high and you said, well, <laughs> I was wrong. They got Jimmy G now. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. But you weren't excited. No. Nope. Sure was not. <laughs> sure was not. So, uh, yeah, Robert, good stuff, man. Thanks for the call. Definitely appreciate you. And, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And I'm going to support whoever the Raiders quarterback is because – well, that's what we do. We all want the team to be successful. I'm going to support whoever the coach is because we want the team to be successful. I'm going to support whoever the right guard is. I mean, whoever's wearing the silver and black, I'm going to support them. doesn't mean that they had to be my first choice or they had to be uh, the one that I was pounding the table for. And sometimes the one you're pounding the table for is wrong, as that's been proven for me many times. I've said it many times, and I've been wrong about things many times. I've also said things before and been right about it. No one remembers when you're right, which is okay. But, you know, there has been a few times where I've stumbled into a smart idea or two, right? And sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not. But either way, man, I mean, the, the, the schedule, like you mentioned, is tough. There's no doubt about it. We all knew that when we saw it. And we, we looked at, you know, looked it up and down and kind of went over it. And we knew that there was a window. I believe we talked about that window many times on this show. Like, I can see them winning – five games at the max, I can see him winning nine games at the max if things go right, right? I mean, and that's a huge window. That's huge, right? I know it's, it's only four games, but that's huge. You know, normally you say, oh, I can see him winning anywhere from eight to nine, or I can see him winning, you know, 10 to 12. But five to nine is a big difference. So everything had to go right for, you know, five to, to, to get, like, to nine. And, well, obviously everything hasn't gone right as they're sitting there now at three and five. But they got nine games left. Very winnable game this week, as uh, we've had many people call in and say. But I've said that, I feel like, three weeks in a row. Well, I didn't say that for Detroit. I thought they were going to lose against Detroit. But the Bears was definitely a winnable game, and we all know how that shook out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, again, it's – I hate to say it, but it kind of is what it is. You've got to roll with the punches, and you've got to see what happens. The good thing about this one, the one positive I feel about is that it's already Tuesday. 
and that we get to we get to flush this thing as soon as as soon as I say good night at five o'clock tonight, I'm done with this one. I'm done with this game. I'm moving on to the New York Giants. We'll start focusing on the Giants. We'll start getting insiders in to tell us more about the G-Men and what to expect Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. I'm just moving full steam ahead. I'm not going to argue back and forth about young quarterbacks and what they could do in the league or what they're doing in the league or what they're not doing in the league. I'm not talking about this, that, and the other. I'm talking about this team, and I'm talking about the Giants moving forward. This is the one day to, you know, throw your complaints out there, you know, be and moan all you want and, and you know, point fingers all you want. And whatever. It's fine. Get it out your system because tomorrow it ain't going to be this situation. And, you know, if, if, if you want to come back tomorrow and, you know, bring up stuff from today, well, that's just not going to fly. We're just going to keep it pushing. And, you know, that's, that's the beautiful thing about being on this side of things. We can do that. And we have no problem with doing that. So we definitely appreciate everyone, but I'm not going to dwell I'm not going to hang my head ever. I'm just going to keep it pushing, and that's exactly what we're going to do. 428 is the time. When we come back, we'll hear from head coach Joshua Daniels, and we'll hear from former head coach, uh, Coach Herm Edwards, who was a guest on my radio show last night, Game Night on ESPN Radio. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas-area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at PortaSubs.com. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Just saw a pretty interesting tweet from Adam Schefter. No flex. Zone. No flex. Zone. Remember that song? The Week 10 Sunday night football game between the Jets and the Raiders was not flexed out of before today's deadline. So on November 12th, it'll be Jets at Raiders, 8.20 p.m. as originally scheduled. When the game wrapped up last night on Monday Night Football, a lot of people expected the Raiders and Jets to get flexed out of that Sunday night spot. But as I've mentioned on the show multiple times, the, the, uh, the NFL loves Las Vegas. They want to be in Las Vegas. They want to have primetime action in Las Vegas. And so they're sticking with that game. And, of course, having the Jets uh, obviously is going to help as well. But uh, I thought that that game had a good chance of getting flexed out of Sunday night football, but in fact it does not. So it'll be a regular kickoff to this uh, upcoming Sunday against the Giants, and then the following Sunday will be prime time action of Sunday night football, Jets and Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. I want you to hear a few sound bites from head coach Joshua Daniels. We met with him earlier today around 1 o'clock, right around the trade deadline, and the Raiders made no trades ahead of the deadline. I thought maybe that's the reason why they pushed his presser back, and maybe it was, and nothing came to fruition. But be that as it may, again, no deals were made by the Silver and Black by the trade deadline. But here's off top. Here's Coach McDaniels just opening statement. I mean, I don't have much to add from yesterday after the um, game. I mean, seen the film. I mean, clearly we we have to be able to be more productive um, offensively so that we can get control of the game to some degree because the defense, I thought, really uh, hung in there, fought, obviously created some turnovers, which helped us have an opportunity to, to really kind of swing the game a little bit uh, on a few different occasions, and we just didn't take enough advantage of that. Um, and then over the course of the game, as it goes on, you know, when you end up 47 plays or snaps on offense and 85 or 86 on defense, it's just, you know, at some point you just get worn out, you know. And so 
um, you know, we have to, we obviously have to do better. So there's a lot of things we're going to look at, a lot of things we're going to consider. Um, we need to do the fundamental things right first. That's where it's got to start. And then um, obviously find a way to produce. <clears throat> a lot of things we're going to look at, a lot of things we're going to consider. Out of that, a minute and one second opening statement he made, that to me, and just me, was the most important couple words he said. A lot of things to look at, a lot of things we need to consider. To me, and again, this just me, makes me feel like there's nothing that's off the table as far as what they may do moving forward to try to correct the situation as the Raiders have nine games left. So then I asked Coach McDaniels about looking at the film. Now that he's had a chance to look at the film, you know, what did he think of Jimmy and his performance? Because he just never, in my opinion, looked very comfortable out there on Monday Night Football. Uh, look, I, like I said, I've never really thought that the passing game is is one person, you know. I mean, there's a few – There's obviously there's plays where we had an opportunity to make some plays and we did not do it, you know. Uh, missed a few throws, clearly. Um, but I thought, you know, we had some protection issues. I thought we um, – there was a few blitz pickup issues. Um, you know, and, and credit them, they did a good job with some of the things that they were trying to do to disrupt us. Uh, but we got to be able to do better, you know, and um, the passing game and the ability to, to do well in the passing game is usually the function of 11 guys doing their job pretty well. Uh, maybe not perfect, but pretty well. Um, securing the pocket for the passer, reading the coverage properly, running a good route, making a good throw, being on time, you know, all the rest of those things have to happen in order for you to, to work, you know, the way you want to work efficiently and productively. So, um, you know, and just, it's not enough. Not enough plays, Q. So there he was responding about Jimmy and what, you know, he wasn't doing and he wasn't going to put it all on Jimmy. He was really making it a collective. And as we've talked throughout the course of the show, the offensive line, uh, the, you know, some of the playmakers didn't make the plays. Like we talk about getting Devontae the ball. Uh, he had a concentration drop as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and, and that was just something that I, I don't know. Uh, he's, he's not a guy that's going to put the ball on the ground consistently, but you can sell every once in a while when a guy has a concentration drop. And I feel like when Devontae had that pretty easy catch and almost tipped it into an interception, that was 100% just concentration uh, was out there. I don't know if he was thinking or thinking about something else, but he wasn't thinking about making the catch. And, and I guarantee he would say that, yeah, that was 100% on me. I, you know, he probably didn't even know what was going on when that happened as far as, you know, how, how that could happen because that's such a routine catch. For Devontae Adams. So, so basically, Coach McDaniels is letting it be known that there's a lot that went into the struggles of Jimmy G and the Raiders' offense. Well, were one of the issues that were, you know, relating to Jimmy and the struggles, did that have to do with injuries? Here's Coach McDaniels responding to that. I don't, I mean, look, I can't speak for him on that. Um, I don't, I don't, I, again, we've never really put him out there when it's like, you know, been something where there's been a significant issue. We tried to be smart with that, as obviously, as we, Brought him back in training camp, and then you know I know he's dealt with some things here during the course of the season, but we've just followed the, you know, the advice of the medical people and him really his body. So um, I don't think he's been out there when he not when he hasn't been healthy enough to contribute and play well. So he basically said he didn't think so, right? You could tell him you could tell he was leaning to I don't think he's injured. Uh, he did take a couple of big hits during the game, and, and who knows if Jimmy's 100% healthy anyway. We all know that he came back from injury, uh, missed some camp, you know, missed uh, – not missed some camp, but it had some scheduled days off during camp, and you know he's been uh, injured a couple times so far this season, one with a concussion, and then, of course, the back injury as well. So there could be things that are ailing him, but as far as Coach McDaniels is concerned, they haven't put him out there in a situation where he was, you know, feeling, feeling bad or, or not quite – 
uh, good enough to go out there and perform. So how surprised is Coach McDaniels by all the, all the interceptions Jimmy's had this uh, season as he leads the league? He has nine interceptions, and remember, he's missed two and a half games. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think at the end of the day, those come down to, um, you know, all, all, all interceptions, um, you know, come down to execution and decision making, you know, and at the end of the day, um, you know, it starts with reading the coverage. It starts with, you know, the quarterback, the receivers, the tight ends, being on the same page. The protection obviously has something to do with that. Um, you know, yesterday, the yesterday's case was just a, you know, a, a read where we, you know, we threw it into double coverage, you know, and we can't do that. So, um, you know, just, those are, there's a lot of things. And again, I think when you try to press and you want to make plays happen, even though the defense, you know, plays something or does something that maybe takes away your first or your primary option, um, you just have to be patient enough, even though you want to make those plays happen. You got to be patient enough to take the profit and uh, count on making the right play every time, always being the right thing to do, you know. And so, so there you go. There's uh, Coach McDaniel's just talking about Jimmy G and his his interceptions and. You know, just what goes into the interceptions. Again, he's not going to put it 100% on the quarterback. And that's something Patrick Graham did last week when we talked to him about Marcus Peters and his missed tackles or his effort for the tackles. And he wasn't going to go out there and just, uh, you know, throw the player under the bus. And so Coach McDaniels didn't either. He really made that as a collective thing. But uh, when, when you have nine interceptions on the season and you miss two and a half games, there's clearly a problem there. The decision-making uh, has got to be an issue. And, Joseph, we'll skip the decision-making real quick, and we'll go uh, to the very next question, which is H352. Let's go straight to H352 uh, and hear from Coach McDaniels when I asked him the question about, you know, again, he said we got to look at a lot of things, uh, a lot of things to consider as they move forward. So is a change at quarterback something that they would consider? I think we're just going to look at we, – we haven't even met with the players yet. You know what I mean? We're going to evaluate the film. We're going to make the corrections. Um, you know, I don't want to speak on that. I, you know, look, I I have confidence in all our guys. We just – we have to be able to play better and, and do it as a group, you know, and there's a lot of things that go into that. So, um, as I said last night, there's a lot of us that have to do, you know, some things better. So there you go. So he didn't say no. <laughs> He didn't say no, which is what I've said multiple times on the show. He didn't say no that there wouldn't be a change. He didn't say yes either. But, you know, it's not something that's been ruled out, and I think that it's something that uh, has got to be under consideration. It might not do it, and, and that's fine if they don't. If they feel like that now's not the right time, that's fine. But I do think that it's something that has to be at least discussed. I think that's responsible to at least discuss the possibility of, of not necessarily moving on, but saying, okay, let's see what this dude has got. Let's see if, you know, he's got a couple games at home, uh, the next couple games for sure against both New York teams, the Giants and the Jets. You know, maybe he can, maybe he can do something and, and really get something going with this offense and, and provide a spark for the team and the players and, and, and the playmakers that are clearly frustrated. One quick text and we'll take a break. Uh, this is from the 916. The hate for Josh McDaniels is evident when the blame should be on the horrible quarterback play for throwing interceptions. Josh isn't on the field, and I will agree that his coaching has been a real disappointment, but the hate for McDaniels is evident. That's from the 916. And, well, it always goes back on two people. When there's failures with a team, it always goes back on two people, the quarterback and the head coach. And when there's success with a team, guess who it falls on? Two people, <laughs> the head coach and the quarterback. I mean, that's just the reality of, of playing the position or being that guy, right? You're always going to get – 
the you're going to get the praise, you're going to get the hate, you're going to get whatever it is. That's just that's just kind of the the the, the price of doing business. And so I, I know Coach McDaniel's knows that. I know Jimmy G knows that as well. Right. Again, I mean, he he hears uh, what everyone else hears. Everyone hears it. They all do. Regardless if they say they don't, they do. They hear all the noise on the outside. They want to prove uh, people wrong. But at some point, you know, maybe maybe you just you just don't have it anymore. Right. Maybe maybe all the injuries that Jimmy G has suffered over his years, maybe it's starting to catch up to him. And, And maybe it's not even starting to catch up to him. Maybe it's already caught up to him. I mean, these things happen. Right. Professional sports is hard. Sports in general is being a professional. Anything is hard. It's difficult, man. It's difficult to try to perform each and every day and do at your highest your highest level. And that's why there's some that are elite, like Max Crosby's and Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, because they find ways to continue to do it at the highest level, even though they know everyone's gunning for them, everyone's trying to stop them, everyone's trying to slow them down. You think that everyone on that Detroit Lions team didn't know 98 was on the field? <laughs> they did, but he was out there, and, and he found ways to get it done. Now, he didn't register a sack, but he had multiple tackles for loss. He was very disruptive. Uh, he, 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 he went out there and he made plays, right? Obviously, it wasn't enough for the Raiders. They needed a couple more plays, but he, I mean, he gave it everything he got. Devontae Adams, he wants to give it everything he's got. He wants to get the ball multiple times. He wants to make plays. That's why you see him on the sidelines slamming his helmet down because he's frustrated. Because elite players, great players, they'll get frustrated when things aren't going right because they know how close it could be. And the fine line from being successful and not being successful in the NFL is very fine. It's not college. Like college, you could mess up and still have a great play because you're just flat out better than the guy across from you. In the NFL, even the guy who's not that good is still really stinking good. <laughs> that, that's the reality of it is in college you can get away with just, just being, you know, having an off day and still a good day. Uh, nobody noticed. It was it was an off day, but we still dominated. We still won by 45 points over, you know, in, insert computertech.com college of the, you know, whatever, whatever you want to say, right? That's just what it is. These are the elite of the elite, so it's difficult to win in the NFL. That's why these guys celebrate victories when they get them because sometimes they're so hard to come by. 446 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, close out the show. Straight Nation Radio, 920. <laughs> You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Live here from Studio Q, my man Joseph's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Just checking up at the TV, looking at ESPN, the the top four. The first round of the college football playoff rankings have come out. Ohio State's number one, Georgia's number two, Michigan is number three, and Florida State is number four. All teams are 8-0. Number five is Washington at 8-0, and number six with one loss is the Oregon Ducks. Shout out to my man, Eddie Pascal, a proud Oregon Duck alum. So there you go. That's the top six. Obviously, the top four are the only thing that matter when it comes to the college football playoffs. This is the last year of the final four as far as college football goes. I did want to, before we get out of the show today, I did, and I'll tease this a few times. I wanted to make sure I worked this into the show somehow. Wanted to let you hear from Coach Herm Edwards, former head coach, uh, Coach Herm Edwards. He's now on ESPN, uh, NFL analyst. He joins my night show each and every Monday night following Monday Night Football uh, to talk all things, well, about the game and then also talk about just the NFL in general. And it's always great to catch up with Herm. You want to talk about a guy that's got tons of energy. Love talking to Coach Herm Edwards. Uh, He's a really good dude. And so uh, I asked him, and you'll hear the question, about the quarterback play from the Silver and Black and where Jimmy's at, what he looked like on Monday Night Football, and if it was time to go to the youngster, Aiden O'Connell. 
So this evening, Jimmy Garoppolo looked bad. He yeah. didn't complete a, a pass yeah. to a wide receiver until the second half. Is it time for Coach McDaniels and company to turn turn the page to the to the rookie Aiden O'Connell and see what he has at this stage? Well, I think if you keep going down this road, you're not winning. Uh, there's going to come a point to where you feel like, hey, look, we're going to have to look at our roster and obviously the quarterback position, the future of this thing. And, um, you know, the AFC side is, is, is a side where there's a lot of teams over there. I mean, you look at the AFC East and you can go down, you know, there's the Bills and the Dolphins, right, and in the North. That's a crowded division. I mean, all of a sudden, uh, Burrow is back and, Cincinnati looks like the team is headed in the right direction. The Ravens, obviously. Uh, the Browns play really good defense. We know that. That, that was kind of a, a head-scratcher for, for the Steelers. Uh, the Jaguars are the best team in the South. Uh, okay, The other teams are playing with basically young quarterbacks for the most part. And in the West, you got to look at the Chiefs and the Chargers, I would assume. you know, and it, That's kind of how that falls out. So if you're not one of those teams, you know, you're probably looking at the situation. Is there something we can do to, to better our roster? Coach Herm Edwards right there. He was on game night last night on ESPN Radio. I think we have enough. No, we don't have enough time. I'll just do it tomorrow. <laughs> I don't want to get greedy. <laughs> I do want to get greedy, but I don't. There's a really good chunk of – uh, of Herm Edwards talking about the Raiders in general and what he thinks that you know Coach McDaniel's needs to do. Uh, that was also on the show last night, but we'll get to that uh, on tomorrow's show. We'll play that earlier, uh, just because I do think that is it was some really good stuff. And from a guy that's been there, done that, he's had to be in that position uh, as a head coach of the Jets, had to be in that position as a head coach of the Chiefs. Obviously, he's been in the college ranks as well. Uh, most recently at Arizona State. Now he's back at ESPN. But like I said, it's always good to catch up with Coach Herm Edwards, and uh, yesterday was a 21-year anniversary of you play to win the games. Hello? <laughs> and the funny thing about it is he said he's only said that one time. That was the only time he said that, even though people try to get him to say that all the time. And so my guy Emmett Golden actually brought that up last night on the show with him, and I thought that that was some really good stuff. I got a couple more texts that I'll get to as we close out the show today. Uh, this one is coming from... Uh, the 925Q, I think we need a change at quarterback. The run game was working uh, when it was still a game, and not in, and not until it was a two-score game did they start allowing pressure. They weren't afraid of Jimmy's arms, so sending extra guys was no problem. Starting Aiden O'Connell, go Raiders. Got this uh, text from the 5 and Dime, the 510. Will Levis has no tape for defense as a scheme to yet. Uh, only guy worth drafting, at least at this point, looks like C.J., uh, Vegas Pete said the last caller got red polo Q. <laughs> Trey in Kansas City said Q going off. Uh, let's see. Keith and Sonora said start Jimmy G on Sunday. If the first half looks like last night's first half, then you bring in Aiden O'Connell for the second half and the rest of the season. That's from Keith and Sonora. And I'll stop right there. I thought that's what was going to happen last night. I was pretty confident uh, that when they went into that locker room and Jimmy hadn't completed a pass to a wide receiver, I just knew that they were going to come out of the locker room with Aiden O'Connell. I just thought, okay, he's the backup quarterback. He's not inactive. They're going to try to bring him in and salvage this game because they were still close, right? It still it wasn't like it was out of hand or anything, and it wasn't. And then Coach McDaniel said after the game that it was a one-score game, so it was never thought of outside of the time when Jimmy got hurt, or not hurt, but hit really hard, and he could have potentially been hurt. So he never thought about, you know, having him – having him uh, switched out last night. So, again, like it goes back to what he said earlier about, you know, kind of looking at everything and breaking out everything down and having conversations about everything. I think that's important, and I think that they're going to do that throughout the course of the week. And when we get our next time to talk to Coach McDaniels, we'll see if the, 
you know, the, the mood has changed or maybe the conversation has changed and maybe they're leaning one way or the other. And most likely, to be 100% honest, they probably wouldn't tell us what, what direction they're leaning anyway because the minute it gets out, the minute that the Giants know exactly who the starting quarterback is going to be. So most likely they'll not tell us anyway, but you can kind of get a hint from body language of how they're starting to feel or, or the direction that they could potentially be leaning in. So we'll continue to do it each and every day. You know how we do here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Make sure you're waking up with the morning tailgate. That's 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. JT the Brick, noon to 2, and, of course, 2 to 5 here on Radio Nation Radio 920 with Unnecessary Roughness. Have a great night. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. 